We want to welcome Lauren Knowledge. She and her husband are the chefs and owner of Balkan Treat Box, 8103 Big Ben. That's Big Ben and Old Orchard. So if you haven't been there, you need to get there. It's great food. And Lauren, welcome to In Tune. Well, thank you for having me. What's your background? You've been in the food industry for a little bit, but take us back. Sure. I mean, a long time. Um, well, my mother was in the industry as, in front of the house, and then my grandparents were chefs. I had a cousin in the industry, so uh, naturally, my first job was bussing tables at Lemons in the South City that oh, is wow, now yeah. owned by the Gribbich family. Yeah. yeah. And they're good friends. So it's wild to see how that's transformed. But kind of just always had a knack for the business, just wanted to try everything. So like I said, my mom was a server and bartender, still is. She works at Pietro's on Watson still. Okay. She's been there for like 27 years. Wow. Long time. And started doing busing, waitressing, bartending, serving, and kind of got into cooking. Always loved to cook and create things. So it kind of went hand in hand. I had kids uh, young, so I started baking cakes for friends and kind of doing the pastries at family events. And my cousin, Kurt Vonderhaar, was the chef at Turvey's on the Green at the time. And he would say at the holidays, like, you could make money doing this. Like, you should, you should do pastries. And so I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. So I took the Culinary Institute of America's culinary book, and I just read it and, like, would practice the recipes and try new things. And he offered me a job as the pastry chef there. Wow. I know. That was a big deal. It was a huge deal. It was a huge deal. So that was fun. It was my first real kitchen job. And just grew it from there. I wanted to do other things. So I took a job as a prep cook at Frazier's. And I ended up doing their pastry program as well, along with Kim that now owns Gooseberries. So she and I worked together a lot. Ended up at Luciano's working for the Del Pietro family. So did their pastry program for their restaurants, all their bread production. Then went to Cisco because the kids got older. And so went to work for Cisco in food sales. So I got to learn that aspect too. Taught me a lot about ordering and kind of organizing the, the kitchen and, and how things work in terms of the financial part. But it was short-lived. I'm not a salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was on the hill, and they were wanting to, me to, like, sell the hill, like, toast ravioli that's frozen. <laughs> it's just did, not... you, did you say you need to take your temperature? Yeah. <laughs> It's just not my style. Um, I wasn't that great at it, let's be honest. You were realistic. I was, yes, I was too realistic. Trying to sell toasted ravioli on the hill. Yeah. That would be extremely difficult. Exactly. So at the time, luckily, I was really good friends with Mike Emerson of Pappy's Smokehouse, and he was about to embark on that huge and life-changing endeavor. And I jumped on board, resigned from Cisco, and did their special events and catering, and just got involved in the food community. That's really around the time that the St. Louis like food scene kind of changed. People started kind of coming together, working together, building one another up, really working hard to put St. Louis on the map, and I just knew I wanted to be a part of that somehow. All of these years leading up to Pappy's, though, always wanting in the back of my head, thinking, oh, I'm going to do something on my own someday. I'm going to open this. I'm going to do that. Blah, blah, blah. Everything evolved, right? Because I had young children. So it was every you know few years it was something new because the ideas that I was doing 
like that I had in my head were being done. And, you know, it was fast and it was changing. I had been with Pappy's for a really long time. I had set myself like a goal there. And I said, when I get to this point at Pappy's, I want to try to start working on my own. And that came eight years later. I talked to them and they kind of held my hand and kept me on payroll and helped me open the food truck. And now we're here. How long did you do the food truck? So I went over to the Balkan region in 2013, came back and started working on the build out of the food truck. We had a lot of issues with the build out on the food truck. So it got put to the side for a little bit, unfortunately. But we had our first service in December of 2016. So 2015, officially, I had left Pappy's and the barbecue team. I had worked at Adams for a little bit, helped open Bogart's. I went to work with Farmhouse and did some work with Josh Galliano, worked at Companion Bakery, just kind of like... You made a lot of good contacts. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I needed them. I needed them to be able to do these, to do this. This is a passion project that a lot of people helped. We have Miley ended up working on Nudo at the same time, and Marianne had moved back from Chicago, so she basically, like, was our first employee on the truck. It was just me, Edo, and Marianne on the truck. And I would call Queen and be like, do you need Marianne today? He'd be like, no, no, you take her. So it was us, and we had so much fun. But I wouldn't have been able to do that. We couldn't afford an employee, you know what I mean? But we didn't realize we were going to need another person on the truck. So it just kind of evolved that way. I mean, that's just one of the ways that all of those, all of the community has kind of helped out in one way, shape, or form. Talk here. a little bit about the the food truck, because a lot of people they may not understand the complexity of what goes into a food truck. They may think, okay, well, you've got an oven on there, or you've got you've got a grill on there, and a cash register. What more do you need? You know? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> so much more. You know, you have to have a commissary, and at the time. Pappy's was our official commissary, but I mean, like we were doing bread at Pastoria in their wood burning oven. Like that's where we did our like test batch to figure out like what we were going to do. Prepping at farmhouse, gribbich, lemons, nudo. Like, I mean, we were all over the place. We also have a wood burning oven on the truck. We have a fire rotisserie on the truck and then a wood burning grill as well. So it is hot. Like, it's really hot. So all of those things going into it. And we are cooking fresh on the truck. So we're baking bread every day on the truck. Wow. Everything is grilled and cooked to order. For us, everything wasn't pre-cooked. And you just put it on the truck. Right, right. So there was really a lot more complex to do it that way. But in the end, it all paid off because we ended up, like, gaining a really good following. And... People believed in our product and wanted to help us. And that was the best part about all of the trials and the hardships of having a truck because you battle weather, you battle places to park. You would show, we would show up at City Garden and have to pull away because there was no place for us to park. That would happen at Wells Fargo, you know, all the places that are designated for food trucks here in St. Louis. And we're very, we're a very seasonal city. Like people don't come out when it's cold or when the weather is changing. It's just the way St. Louis is. So it's harder on food trucks um, to get out there and to make a living. And, and Edo and I were both, Edo was actually working at Vicia when we first opened. And I was running basically part-time by myself with Marianne. And we were getting so busy. Like, 
and so busy by me. Like we would go out and sell like 15, 20 people. And like on a day that we did like 38, we were all like high-fiving and being like, yes. <laughs> but it, it wasn't long to go from like 38 people to 80 to 100. It was a very quick turnaround. Because of the weather and the... Te- no, because people finally weren't... They were curious. Okay. And like, so you would come to the truck and be like, oh, I really like that food. I'm going to bring my friend. And it just became like this word of mouth thing because our truck was fun to look at and it smelled really good when people walked by but the words and pictures nobody understood what what this was right so it was hard to gain those customers right off the bat um it was just not familiar to them but it ended up working what this was a kind of a test situation like will this work will this food work so Edo quit his job, and so we're both full-time on the truck. So all of our income was coming from that. And our kids worked the window, and we would work in the kitchen part, just pump out as much food as possible. But we're starting at 4 o'clock in the morning because we bake our own bread as well. So there's not anything that comes off the truck or out of this restaurant that isn't... It's not pre-done. Yeah, everything's made from scratch. So you can go to designated areas within the city, the city's designated certain places, mm-hmm. and also in the county? Yeah. So the city has designated places. The county doesn't have designated spots for trucks, but they have companies. You know, you can go to the bigger companies like, I don't know, Express Scripts or Build-A-Bear Workshop. Companies can like have you on a schedule, and then you are rotated in and out of those schedules. Again, all subject to weather. And, and they, they would they would publicize that you're going to be there. And yes. Did you like publicize? Hey, we're going to be at Express Scripts on on Wednesday. Yes, I think that's the thing. Is everything trucks live and die by their social media. I mean, you have to be on top of your social media with the truck. It's the only way people know how to find you, and keeping it up to date is it's a full time job. So for those of you out there that really think food trucks are real easy, think again. <laughs> so hard people always are like oh i think i want to open a food truck and i'm always are you sure are you sure you want to do that (laughs) no i i i love i love our truck i love the food truck community here in st louis i think we have a really large fleet for a small city i think that's cool we have a lot of variety people are doing really cool things i think it's awesome considering that we can't operate all year round Unless you're Dave Choi, he totally operates all year round. Yeah. That dude's a stud. Now the, now, now, now the truck is parked, right? Right now it is parked. Okay. We, the plan was to have it running for spring and summer, but the restaurant has really become a, a beast all on its own. So to do what's required to get the truck running and the restaurant running would require a team on the truck that you know would take a lot of training. Right. It's basically we'd have to train exactly the way we're training inside the restaurant because the restaurant can't do any more food so the restaurant can't act as the commissary for the truck our refrigeration units are full we're stocked full of food here we just no more food so the truck's on their own and the restaurant's on their own it would have to be that way okay it would have to be that way Um, talk about the food you mentioned you said the food and yeah. people weren't quite sure what, what you were. Talk about what kind of food you serve. You served on the truck, but talk about what kind mm-hmm. of food you serve here in the restaurant. It's the same. We did three menu items on the truck. Uh, we do foods from, street foods from the Balkan region. Mostly either foods that kind of pull from Edo's childhood and his memories and food that was pulled from my travels. 
So it's kind of both. We do all of our wood-fired bread. Uh, it's called Somon. It's uh, specific to Sarajevo. It's always wood-fired. We do a version of ours here. Over there, they're really large, and they cut them in half in order for us to be able to execute the food on the truck. You know, manor is a little smaller, but we're still doing it that way. Uh, we do chivapi, which we do in-house. Uh, beef sausages, they don't have casings. We do it with kaimak, cabbage salad. You make if, your own sauce. We do. We do. A lot of it, too. That's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. It is. It's a, it was funny. I was talking to Suyo Gribich the other day, and he was like, now you can't ever not do them. That's right. It's <laughs> a lot of work. <laughs> P- people will know when you substitute, uh, you know, what's, what's a Jimmy Dean's yeah. or something. <laughs> not quite the same. Not quite. So we do chivapi. Um, we do pide, which is a Turkish-style flatbread. Um, and we have, we used to do just beef on the, well, we did beef and cheese on the truck. Now we've, now we're doing a beef, a cheese, a chicken, a vegetable of the day, and a vegan version called the Impossible. I think you've heard of the Impossible Burger. Mm-hmm. So we're doing an Impossible pide, which is super fun. Wow. We have a donor, which we do chicken, lahmacun. Lahmacun is a, another style of flatbread from Turkey, but we roll it up, um, and that has like a lemony parsley salad in there, and the beef on it is a spicy beef. We do a burger. It's called a pieskovitsa. It's a Balkan burger. It's really good. Thank you. It's really good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we stuff it with cheese, and we do a fish sandwich called balik ekmek, and that's really good too. It's our it's our version of what that is, but it's funny when people think about what is the food of Istanbul, and there's more Balik Ekmek than there are donor shops. I don't know. I feel like it was like the sandwich of when I was there. Wow, um, that's interesting. But it just translates to fish and bread, and we do ours grilled, and. It's really simple, really clean, really fresh. It's one of my favorite things on the menu. We do a sandwich called the patnijan, which is eggplant. It's different. It's got egg, eggplant, pickles, cucumbers, cheese, kaimak, grilled grilled eggplant, obviously. But it's kind of a fun, kind of new take on uh, an eggplant sandwich. You should try it. We had it. Oh, okay. We, we had we had one of each. Okay. Well, it has apricots <laughs> and pomegranate molasses. Ooh, just, I don't remember that. Yeah, it's really good. Bunch of flavors. It's like a garden. It is. <laughs> it is. It's a garden. So when I look around the restaurant, I see you know a lot of bright colors. I see you know things that are are simple yet elegant and really define you know Bosnia and colors. You know, and even going into the restrooms. With the, yeah, talk about restrooms at a restaurant, but you you go into the restrooms and it's it's like you're standing overlooking a balcony into a city. It's really cool. Well, thank you. Elegant. That's so nice of you to say. <laughs> um, yeah, we wanted it was it was difficult to kind of come up with a design for the restaurant because the truck is so vibrant and fun and the colors. They're all very specific to why we chose the colors that we chose. And we just needed to figure out how to, like, how does Balkan Treat Bucks, like, grow up from a food truck to a dining establishment? And this is kind of what it became. And all of these things, like the bathrooms, for example, we're doing street foods, right? So we wanted to make it feel fun and full of energy, 
like you, you know, when you travel to these places, a lot of times you get, you, you go to these markets when you're walking through the city and that's kind of how we wanted it to feel. So we were very literal about that. And we put uh, photos of the city of Sarajevo and of Istanbul like landscape, like in the bathroom, but it's like the markets of those places, which cool. I love so much. Like some people are like, oh, they're so touristy, but that's where the energy is. That's right. You know, you're just walking around, you just feel all of that energy, and we love color. The rivers uh, in that region of the world blew my mind because I couldn't believe that they weren't seawater because they were turquoise rivers. Wow. I just kept asking, are you sure? Yeah. This is a river? This is a river. Well, where's the sea? And because I couldn't believe that the color of the rivers were turquoise and green and blue. It wow. was wild. So that's where the, the color came from. And then our truck is a map. And originally it was supposed to be turquoise and black. But when the, des- when the designer came in and changed it, I just looked too menacing. <laughs> it was kind of scary. It was like this like turquoise with this black map on front. It just didn't look right. And Edo, if you start getting into conversations with Edo about his childhood and his background and his home, he will definitely mention cherry trees and cherry blossoms. <laughs> so when I showed him the photo and he was like, tell him to turn, turn it cherry blossom red. I was like, okay. So I told him and he did. And it was like, that was it. Wow. That was it. Wow. And the stars, they just always came up in the travels and on the flags. I grew up in South City mm-hmm. and in the old brick buildings. Like, I grew up in a home that was over 100 years old mm. and we had the stars. Right. What are those? They hold, I want to say, the trusses together. Yes. So, there's the just, yeah. So, like, that also would come to my mind. So, one of the reasons why it was star in our logo is just because it was just something that I kept seeing. I see that looking on the wall. Yeah. 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 It's exactly looks like the ones that are on the sides yes, of the building. Yes, exactly. So anyway, it was a lot of, the whole design of the restaurant came together with a lot of great people that worked really hard and kind of helped things be the way they are. We like it here. So what, what were some of the challenges of opening the restaurant and what are some challenges about as the restaurant continues to grow? I think the biggest challenge just getting it open was the fact that we got this space mostly because it was a turn quote unquote turnkey operation. Like the hood was already installed. There was refrigeration here. The walk-in was here. There were some prep coolers here. The layout was great. So in our minds, it was just like, this isn't going to take very long. Like we just need to turn it over real quick. Well, that's not how things work in an area like this. So there was a lot more to doing business in Webster than we kind of thought. Had to bring things up to code or... Yeah. There were just so many things that we didn't know going in that we ended up having to get and that kind of slowed us down Mm -hmm. and and blew our budget out of the water. In the end, you know, obviously everything was okay. We made it through and we were grateful. But those were huge challenges, like trying to figure out, okay, like how do we get what we need without overdoing it right because we're really not doing much here like yes it looks very different than it than than stratton's but we didn't change any of the structures Mm -hmm. like there wasn't a lot of demo in here right we changed the floors and there was tile on the walls that came off 
oh, that was the most of the demo that was done. All of that in your head, you're like, this isn't that hard. And it's not like I went in blind. I mean, I brought right. all my friends in. Right. Like, hey, guys, what do you think of this space? How long do you think this is going to take? And what do you think it's going to cost? And those things. But I was talking to John Barr at Frisco across the street, and he is the one that kind of put it in perspective for me to kind of understand why it was the way it was. And it totally makes sense. I get it. Webster is an old, cool town. This town has a great reputation. We have great businesses here. We have this old architecture. They just want to make sure everything is staying quaint and staying so they can still uphold the reputation that they have for being such a great neighborhood. So I understand why we had to do everything that we did. But it wasn't any less challenging. Right, right. And, yes. and, the, and the gorgeous oven that you finally got into the establishment here. But After then... shutting down Big Bend and taking out a window in the building. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a sight to see. It was early in the morning, but we made it happen. And great copper color that's that's on there. And I, my wife and I saw you working on that one night. <laughs> you helped. <laughs> <laughs> we, we watched. You helped. Yeah, we copper gilded the oven, and the same copper gilding treatment is on the map in the restaurant too, the map of the Mulkins, which is the same one from the truck. But yeah, that was that was also another holdup was the oven trying to choose one for the space because it's not a big space, mm-hmm. um, but also making sure that it was big enough to kind of do the production. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then I talked to Matt McGuire over at Louis, and he put that in perspective for me and said, how many can you control at once in there? Like how many can you actually do at a time, you know, and, and have control over. And then at that point, duh, it's a perfect size. (laughs) Yeah. This is a great size. So she's working out very nicely. You know, I noticed, uh, this is new since I was here last about the, the pictures of the entrees on the wall. That that's very helpful. Thank you. Yeah. That just went up yesterday. We still have the paper menus, so you can kind of, you know, cross-reference what Mm -hmm. you're going to get. It also helps anybody that's at the register to sell an item, you know, if they're feeling unfamiliar. It's just like, okay, well, I really like this dish, and that's what it looks like. Right. And then you can kind of, you know, put it together from there. I think that it's really helpful, mostly because the words are really intimidating. To try to pronounce them. Yes. They're very, (laughs) there's a few really long ones. So it's good to have number one, two, three, four. Yes. That's very helpful. Now, I've been here several times trying to eat, mm-hmm. and I figured, okay, yeah, we'll we'll swing around here uh, about 4.30 or 5 and beat the rush, and you guys were closed. So we are open for lunch only right now. Originally, that was not the idea. Uh, honestly, we thought we would be open from, you know, 11 to 7 or 8 every night, but knocking on wood here. We've had such a great response that what we thought we would be doing in an entire day, we're doing at lunch. And that's crazy. It's crazy town. Um, that's really good, though. We're really grateful. Uh, really grateful. So we decided that it would be better to work out these numbers with lunch and figure out how to expand into dinner service at some point instead of trying to, like, battle the when we're selling out and then thinking that every single person has access to social media, which they don't. This isn't a food truck. We know that. It's a restaurant. So in order to kind of control the chaos that could happen, 
for us, it makes a lot of sense just to open for lunch for now. And then, you know, it's going to be another investment for us. This is, you asked me this question earlier, like, what are, what are some of the challenges here in the restaurant? Well, space, you know, we have a walk-in downstairs that is full. So now we're just trying to figure out, okay, well, how, how do we grow? We just, we doubled our staff. We just purchased a roller that, so we were hand rolling everything with a rolling pin. Did you hear that folks? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Hand rolling with a roller pin. Yeah. So that was, you know, I was doing close to 200 rolling pin items a day. Wow. So we just were able to. Your forearms must be powerful. Yeah. They they look like (laughs) drumsticks. (laughs) Like a turkey leg. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so we bought this piece of equipment that is cut that time in half for us to produce so we can produce more essentially like volume there Uh, so that's going to help we have some other things coming up that's going to help with the challenges of being able to produce more food hold more food here you know it's a lot of training Mm -hmm. so we're training this staff and we'll have to train a whole nother staff on techniques and things that they've never done before right and that's 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 difficult these are all great problems to have we feel really grateful. We just want people to understand that if we don't do things the way that we've been doing them for so long, the product will suffer. And that's not something Edo and I are willing to compromise on. Like we want to make sure that that bread is baked every day. You come here, you're guaranteed that that is bread from today, that the flatbreads are from today. We're one of the only places in town that actually still builds our own rotisserie for the donor. And when that's out, it's out. You know, we have, we season, butcher, and build that rotisserie every day. We're making our own sausages. We're pattying our own pieskovitsa, which is our burger. I mean, every single thing we're touching. It requires a lot of space, uh, all the food that we're producing just for lunch. So in order to do a second service, it's going to require some investment and time, but we're excited to do it. Yeah. And it's the food, the quality of the food and the taste of the food that got you here anyway. And you don't want to compromise on that. No, I don't think, I don't think people want us to do that either. Absolutely not. I think people that have kind of supported us and that are supporting us now, I don't think that that's what they want just to be able to serve another 100 people. And something that's exacerbated the lunchtime situation has been the number of carryouts, right? Yeah, so we're a 50-seat restaurant, but it was it was brought to my attention that really we're acting as a 100-seat restaurant because we'll get, I mean, people will stand in line to place carryout orders, and they're 10, 11, 12 items to go. Wow. And, I mean, you imagine what that does to a three-person kitchen. <laughs> a little tiny line but you guys are managing and managing well we are we're in our one month so we're one month open and it feels good you know we had service today and we had to go orders and we're getting faster i mean you wait in line for 15 20 minutes and then your food is at your table when you sit down there's not much of a wait i think you know maybe on the weekends because people sit a little longer Mm -hmm. you know you're not waiting more than 15 minutes Ever. Okay. I want to I want to take you back to your pastry days. Sure. And being a pastry chef is is very exact as as I've learned in my amateur You're a good baker. Cooking. Well, well He makes good cookies. I, that, <laughs> I, 
I like to cook. Uh, Amy's more of the of the the baker. Amazing uh, apple pie. Yeah, amazing apple pie. Wow. Uh, but you, you know, if you if you mess up in on the pastry end, you really need to throw it away. On the on the cooking end, you can kind of massage it a little bit and kind of resurrect it a little bit and make it work out. Yeah. Um, so, did you have difficulties going from the pastry side to the cooking side, or were was there different kinds of challenges there? There's always different kinds of challenges. Uh, I always cooked, though, too. Um, pastry was just something at the time that made more sense for me, mostly because I did have children. And, I mean, that happens here a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, if the bread's not right, like, we'll throw it away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, not throw it away, just not serve it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if if something's not right because, you know, maybe the temperature in the oven is wrong or maybe... Maybe that day the temperature is different in the room that we're, you know, rolling out the bread. I mean, all of those things. Humidity has yes, an impact. Huge, mm-hmm. huge. So there, there are days that are, you know, you're like, yes. And then days that you're like, what happened? Um, but no, it wasn't, it's not difficult. I kind of run this whole kitchen pretty precise, like baking anyway. So everything we have is measured out by the gram. So it's easier to go from being a pastry chef to kind of cooking than it is the other way around. Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like they have their own challenges, but this is another reason why we keep the menu so small. It's just so we can keep that tight and we can keep those things from happening. You know, we're looking forward to getting this all figured out so we can run specials and have some fun, fun with, with food from the Balkans and just kind of introduce some new things and some new takes on some old things and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. And it's great, great flavors. The bread is just unbelievable. <laughs> Thank you. It rocks. Would you comment a little on the St. Louis food scene? Because St. Louis really is a great food town. It's beginning just to be recognized nationally, I think. You know, food and wine has really kind of picked up on that. Uh, some of the other uh, food magazines are acknowledging that, food critics and things like that. Talk a little bit about the, the food scene here and where it has come from and where do you think it's going to go? I mean, that what you said is a testament of uh, the people that are doing, you know, that are doing things in St. Louis and, and helping one another out. I think Vulcan Tree Box has been one of those kind of hand-holding kind of situations where you know, we're getting really great press and everybody is kind of working hard to together to make sure that St. Louis is put on the map. I mean, it's really important to all of us that St. Louis gets recognized for what we're doing here. We're working really hard. We're working together. You're not going to see as many cities doing as many collaborations or restaurants helping other restaurants to open even food trucks, you know, most restaurants will open doors to food trucks to kind of let them come in and do their thing to, you know, get out there and, and cook good food. And the community is tight and it's rare that you can't find somebody uh, to lean on. And you're talking about the, you know, the Kevin Nashans and the Gerard Crafts and Quee Tran and Mike Emerson. And I mean, to people that are newer, like myself, like Bill Cawthorn at Frankly Sausages, like Mandy from um, Plantain Girl, there's all these new people coming up too, and the guys that have done really, really well here have helped 
you know, and they are helping and that's, that's what it's all about. I mean, you, I didn't see that what 15 years ago, 10 years ago, it started about 10 years ago, I would say. And I think it's only getting better. I mean, we're cultivating a family here, you know, we're cultivating a place that people will want to travel to just to go eat food. And it's always been joked about that, like we're a flyover city, but I think that our food scene is doing more for St. Louis than anything else. It's a, it's a great ambassador. Yeah. The food is, is an ambassador for the region here. Agreed. And I think it's kind of an anomaly that uh, how the chefs really interact and get along with one another and support one another as opposed to some other cities like Chicago or New York or L.A. or even Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean, competition is great, right? I mean, it's good for everybody to feel com- like there are people that thrive with competition, but... I think you're in a smaller town. You're going to have more repeat customers here uh, than you will a bigger city because people, there's so much tourism, right? So it's really important for us as a community to stay together. And I mean, Elmwood opened, I think the same week we did, and we were both equally excited. We're like messaging one another, like, this is so exciting. So happy for you. And like, but we couldn't get to see each other, but still like having just even you know, a message sent in support. It just makes you want to work harder and try harder because you want them to succeed. And Frisco across the street from us, like watching them open and then having him in the middle of all of his chaos opening, walk over here and help us. You know, he was here checking on us all the time and he's not even from the industry. So that was wild. Um, But that's what you need in order to, succeed and i think we all want the same thing for st louis so how can people follow you on social media or do you have a facebook page a website twitter yeah all of those things <laughs> our handle is at balkan treat box website is balkan treatbox.com and facebook just look yeah. up on balkan treat yeah balkan treat box um okay. yeah and you Mind open what time do you open open at 11 and Monday through Friday or Monday through Wednesday Saturday? through Sunday. There you go. Wednesday through Sunday. Wednesday 11 through o'clock. Sunday, 11 o'clock. Come early. Please come early. <laughs> <laughs> and then we are open till three unless we sell out. So you can look for the sellout sign on the doors. Uh, we also try to post as soon as we sell out on our social media handles. We don't update the website with when we are um, out of food, but we do keep it on our social media. You know, you're keeping it fresh. You're keeping your food a high quality, which everybody appreciates. And if you haven't had a chance, if you've been turned away, like we have several times, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. You just get here a little earlier and you arrange your schedules. And they're working some things out to to make it work for a dinner scene. And that's something to really look forward to. Yeah, we're, we're working on getting our liquor license and and have dinner service. I don't want to promise any dates, but for us, you know, we're excited to do it. So the sooner the better. You're shooting for the future here. We are. We're shooting short, short, short future. future. Right. Yeah, soon. But yeah, we're hoping to see people in here, you know, at night, you know, having, you know, a beer, local beer, glass of wine, can of wine, like grab and go. So we're excited about it. Excellent. We've been talking to Lauren Knowledge of the Balkan Treat Box, and folks hope that you take some time to visit the restaurant and visit them frequently. Visit all the restaurants in Webster Groves and, frankly, all the restaurant tours that uh, Lauren mentioned. You know, great place to eat in St. Louis. 
we are fortunate to have many, many here in Webster Groves. And Lauren, thanks again for being on Intune. We appreciate it. Happy to be here. Thanks so much. Thank you.